ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Make me feel good. Make me feel good. The podcast. A hug for your ears. I feel like I'm, I'm a missionary sometimes, spreading a snail gospel far and wide. I'm affectionately known as a snail whisperer. I'd seen the movie The Horse Whisperer, for example, and snail whisperer, you know, I'm off nasty, you whisper at the snails when you're out there, and I said, well, occasionally I scream at them and say, where the bloody hell are you? But uh, no, no whispering goes on out there. But, um, it's quite remarkable how snails sort of tend to gravitate to the same little rock pile and you might search ten rock piles and find nothing and then one rock pile turn it over and then they all are. Deep in the collection rooms of the Queensland Museum, Dr John Stanisic has thousands upon thousands of snail shells carefully archived in large wooden drawers. His aim in life? To get everyone hooked on these slimy creatures, just like he did 40 years ago. I went on my first snailing expedition in an area between Gympie and um, Rockhampton. In two weeks, we collected about over 13,000 specimens. Came back, sort of, there were about 130 uh, species that I could identify, but I can only put names to about 13 or 14. And I thought, wow, what have I opened up here? A can of worms? <laughs> A can of snails. And because I really had have an interest in describing the other 400 species in our collections that don't have names and um, I've, I just find that really, as you say, exciting and another big part of my life at this stage in conjunction with my wife who's doing a PhD on snails of all things is telling the story. I mean, getting the story out there and that to me is much more important than, say, doing research. John has a favourite snail fact that seems to draw most people in. They have teeth in a, in a ribbon of teeth called the radula there are so many rows in the radula and there's so many teeth per row. It can be up to 200 teeth wide. can be up to 400 um, teeth uh, rows long. Um, our native species in Australia have between, well, the ones we recorded, about 30 to 40,000. The teeth are extremely, extremely tiny, so you don't have to worry about being eaten by a by a snail, and they're basically used for, for rasping. Our native species, unlike a lot of the introduced ones, who are vegetarian, but we have carnivorous snails that prey on other snails, including their own species, I may add. People are always amazed, we have carnivores. Yes, we have carnivores. They're actual cannibals at times. <laughs> when he's not out collecting snails, he's naming them, sometimes finding inspiration from the celebrity world. You would try and focus on things on the shell, you know, that people can optically view and say, oh, that is obviously what makes it different from this other species. Then you can name it after a person, maybe your relatives, brother, sister, son, grandson. If that doesn't work, you can name it after prominent people in your field. If, on the other hand, you don't like any of the other researchers, <laughs> then you can name it after any celebrity, such as the Steve Irwin tree snail, for example, which I named uh, just after Steve unfortunately passed away. And then we, for example, we named a very speedy little semi-slug after Peter Brock. Because it had little GT stripes on the side of its head. That makes it a bit fun, you know. With 400-odd species out there, you know, you really are coming up for names. It takes time, you know. Snail work is 
slower the best of times. <laughs> the Snail Whisperer has tracked his many expeditions across the country, but there's still a fair few places to go. I call it the Slime Trail, a traveller's guide to the Slime Trail. And I still have places I want to go and collect. I haven't been to the Kimberley at all, and that's on the bucket list. Some of the islands, Norfolk and um, Lord Howe. Yeah, if I had another lifetime, there's a lifetime of work to be done. And as he nears retirement, he's doing his bit for the future of slugs and snails, even in his own backyard. These days I find it very hard to collect live snails. Um, I don't know, I've become more affectionate about my snails, actually. And at the end of that, I just can't bring myself to drowning them and then preserving them, so I let them go in my little rainforest over my backyard and... Uh, call it my snail retirement village. Every time I go down there, I turn something over, I sweep the garden, and there's a snail. And I say, well, I hope you're enjoying yourself. And they are breeding, and that's strangely enough. Uh, since most of the habitat out there has been destroyed, I find that, um, yeah, it's a sort of consolation prize for them to live out their bad days and very nice habitat, I must admit. And John's hoping his evangelical love for slugs will see him spreading the snail gospel for a little while yet preconceived idea of what snails are all about which is in they introduce things they find in their backyard and they are unpleasant things that they'd much rather step on than do anything else with and once they started learning facts about, about snails and that our snails we have about two and a half thousand native species in Australia snails do wonderful things in the environment very important in the decomposition process in their forests and once you start telling them about that and the snails have teeth and they do this and they do that and uh, my wife sort of tells them about the, the uses of mucus in surgery, for example, snail mucus, and um, then they, they sort of get a different idea. And I, I think if they can go away with a different idea about snails when I finish talking to them, I've done a little bit to enhance the snail world. Yeah, and I hope I can keep doing that for another 10, 15 years. No worries. No worries.